My desire is to make preventative health a standard modality of healthcare, not the I have a problem, let's fix it mentality. When employers invest in the well-being and the health of employees, financial results are a natural course of action. How can the workplace, something where we're supposed to find meaning, where we're supposed to do our best, lead to death? I mean, to me, that's totally backwards. Welcome to the Beyond Capital Podcast. In our purpose-driven world, leadership is increasingly crucial. We are bringing you the stories of leaders that are marrying profit with purpose. I'm Eva Yazari, CEO of Beyond Capital. And I'm Ed Stevens, CEO of Appreciate. Together, Eva and I have built and invested in businesses worth millions. We want to show you how social impact can exist in a company's operations, product, and culture, sometimes unexpectedly. We hope you walk away knowing the possibilities of impact for you and feeling inspired by the potential to do good. This is the Beyond Capital Podcast. And today's guest is Michael Heinrich. Michael is the founder and CEO of Garten. Garten, previously known as Oh My Green, is a platform bringing delicious and nutritious food, healthy snacks, drinks, and wellness practices to the workplace. Michael is also a venture partner at Pioneer Fund and an instructor at Stanford University, my alma mater. Michael previously worked in finance, engineering, and consulting. Welcome, Michael. It is so great to have you today. Great to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So let's dive in. One of your early influences in creating Garden was actually your grandmother. What did she teach you and how did that motivate you to found your business? My grandma has been a guiding light ever since I was uh, very little. Her message both verbally and with non-verbally was all about preventative health. Non-verbally, she never prescribed tablets to us or or, uh, prescriptions, drugs, and so on. It was always a message about, you know, eat directly from my garden, do appropriate level of exercise, have a good routine, you know, work in the garden, get dirty, it's good for your health. That was something that has carried me throughout life. It's influenced how I look at nutrition. It's influenced how I look at work. And I'm really thankful that she's been this uh, guiding light in, in my life. You know, I have a German grandmother too. Oh, no, tell me more. Yes. <laughs> I had a German great grandmother. Oh, that kind wow. of, I guess that would go follow logically, but yeah, yeah. Gardening, all that stuff, that, that kind of natural upbringing was a big part of my life as well. Was she a medical doctor as well? That would be, uh, that'd be very uncanny. No, <laughs> no, she wasn't. She was just more of the kitchen doctor type. <laughs> I actually also have a German great-grandmother who what? influenced my father to do exactly the same thing, to like to live from the garden, which I think is really, really incredible that we all have that in common. <laughs> small world. Great <laughs> <laughs> Yes, an absolutely small world as, you know, American, German-Americans. But that's incredible. And I can understand exactly where you're coming from and, and certainly feel this feel similarly about the way I live my life. You know, maybe diving a little bit more into the company itself. Tell us what what Garden does and how you kind of applied the principles that you learned to the company. 
you know, start a bit with uh, just uh, my story as well in terms of how I came to Garden, which I worked in a number of different places, anywhere from big companies like Microsoft to Bain & Company to uh, Bridgewater Associates. And generally really loved the problems and the people I was exposed to. But somehow I wasn't feeling fulfilled and that sense of meaning wasn't there for me. And so I kicked out the search for meaning. I remembered my grandma and remembered how much well-being and preventative health really meant to her. And I contrasted that with my day-to-day life, which was very much more about a culture of burnout. And I was very proud about it. I was like, well, I can stay up late. I can you know, produce these reports and I can do more work and get more done. But then remembered that there's other ways of being, and I wanted to bring that culture of well-being into the workplace and started uh, uh, Oh My Green back in the day around this concept. And initially the thought was, how do we deal with some of the worst issues? And to me, those were highly processed packaged snacks because those are some of the worst things we put into our body. Started around snacks added uh, healthy, you know, fresh foods, added a culinary offering, which is now called Garden Chef, and now starting to go into more and more of well-being around mental health, physical exercise, and so really creating a holistic well-being platform for the future. Yeah, you previously mentioned this study that in the workplace, the workplace is the fifth leading cause of death in the United States. Can you tell us more about that? How does that, how does that work? Yeah, isn't that a shocking statistic? I mean, (laughs) how can the workplace, something where we're supposed to find meaning, where we're supposed to do our best, lead to death? I mean, to me, that's totally backwards. Why why isn't it a place of discovering yourself? Why isn't it a place of joy and happiness? And so it really boils down to stress, to how you deal with your coworkers, to the amount of work that you're getting, to a culture of burnout, literally just what I mentioned. All of these things are contributing to, to that recent statistic. And it's work that Jeffrey Treffer at, uh, at Stanford did and basically pulled it out. And, and he usually starts some of his meetings with, like, do you know that you're responsible for the death of many people when he talks to leaders? And many leaders are not aware of it. That's why Garden is here to change that, to, to bring awareness to that, to bring a culture of well-being so that we don't have to live with these statistics. You know, when you started the company and you started, you know, kind of approaching companies as your as your customers and workplaces, what was their initial reaction to the product that you were offering? I, I was actually surprised by how quickly people just got the concept. There were some customers on the spectrum where they were like, well, our engineers just want crappy food and we will never change them. And that's totally okay. But actually, like, the majority of conversations went a different route. It's like, oh, we totally get this. We understand it. Uh, your, your grandma is a visionary. We need this in our office. We uh, realize that we need to take care of our employees. And that's one way of showing that we take care of our employees. Because oftentimes, love is expressed over food. And so if you're providing great, nourishing, healthy food for people, you're, you're showing your love to them. And so I was actually surprised by the, the uptake. So how far do your services extend? Do you do you cover mostly just California or you tell us a little bit about the reach and how that works? Yeah, it's currently uh, nationwide and Northern America. We're in uh, 10 cities and uh, planning to expand into uh, six more this year. And so mostly uh, West and East Coast, so California, Seattle, New York, even down to Nashville, some in the middle as well, like Denver and so on. Is it primarily like tech companies or 
do you have like a wider range of offerings for manufacturing companies or other businesses? It's, it used to be primary tech companies, but it's been adopted across any type of industry. We've worked with customers anywhere from, you know, like a Google to a Nike to healthcare institutions like Kaiser. So it's a quite a broad spectrum now. And uh, we started very narrow with a specific product that worked for the tech market and now have a number of products like our dark market offering, which is a smart uh, refrigeration machine that you can put uh, anywhere. Somebody can check out with a credit card and grab healthy, sustainable foods, um, whether that's, you know, salad or, you know, healthy turmeric drink or kombucha. It's, it's really up to their choice. Michael, I invested and exited from a smart fridge business last year in Switzerland. I was fascinated to read that you've moved in that direction. We should absolutely connect on that point. It was called it was called Felfel. Slightly different concept, but definitely the kind of health focus as well. What's a smart fridge? Is it just the smart on the paying or is it smart in some other way? For us, that means it's got uh, smart inventory control. So everything is database. It's got RFID, real-time inventory, real-time visibility into payments, all of that. Sorry, that we can modify the inventory almost in real time. Every time we restock, we can change based on what the demand is coming in. Incredible. And you've made the case for the kind of social impact part of wellness and, you know, workplace wellness and and making sure that employees are happy and fulfilled and healthy. But are there any environmental impacts of the company? The way we think about well-being is that it's mind, body, and environment. And so environment is defined in, in, in our model in three ways. One, it's the microenvironment, which speaks to the person. So that's more the mind-body side. Then there's the meso environment, which is more the community that you live in, the culture of the company that you live in, and then the macro environment, which things like the political system would influence you on. And so primarily on the meso level, it uh, has a strong piece to it from a cultural perspective. If you offer, as I mentioned, healthy, delicious food into workplaces, then there's a sense of I'm being taken care of by the employees. And what you end up seeing in the data is that people are more likely to stay. They're less likely to leave their employer as a result. I've even read statistics that, that uh, just by offering healthy food, uh, 67% of people are more productive or feel more productive after having that. On top of that, there's other benefits around healthcare, something like 80% of chronic diseases, according to the uh, World Health Organization, can be prevented through diet alone. So nutrition is this really fundamental, important thing that shapes not just your body, but those around you as well. Absolutely. And in terms of, I think also thinking about the multidimensional approach to to impact, you know, talking and being aware of the workplace, like how have you created a culture at your company as well? What we've done is based on my journey around uh, not only the healthy food aspects, but all levels of well-being, we've started implementing things around the mind, body, and, and environmental pieces. So mind and body, we sponsor things like uh, gym pass or education and meditation, like transcendental meditation. And then on the environmental piece, we've implemented policies like the purposeful pause policy, where twice a day, employees get 30 minutes to pursue a well-being activity of their choice, you know, whether it's meditation, like stretches, meditative walking, 
um, as long as you're not doing work during those two periods. And it's actually helped quite a bit in remote work. And then that gets extended to twice a month. We have purposeful pause days, so you can actually take a break from, from the work that you're doing. And then we also have purposeful pause retreats where we generally feature a combination of things like yoga stretches, uh, breathing techniques, and meditation techniques so that we ingrain this idea that rest is the basis of successful results, that it doesn't have to be the opposite um, and get to the statistic of the workplace being a fifth leading cause of death. And so we've implemented pieces across all of that spectrum within Garden. Yeah, for me, it's like nothing like taking a nap in the middle of the day. And it's been that way for as long as I can remember. I've always been a cat napper. When I work at home, it's, you know, I just sneak away and do it. When you're in the office, it's a little bit more, there's more stigma associated with it. How do you deal with the different opinions about these things? Like, especially with regards to productivity, is it sort of just like the customers, you know, the CEO gets it or they don't, and that makes a customer for you? Or is there actually like a whole ROI kind of like case that you, you know, you bring and, and kind of convince people of, convince the CFO that this is going to pay off. Internally, it's been a, quite a struggle because this culture of just doing more and accomplishing more is so deeply ingrained in high performers. And it's almost an unlearning from a cultural perspective that, hey, this is actually good for you. And if you take those breaks, you're going to be happier you're going to be more productive as a result of it. Personally, I've experienced that a lot by taking, you know, the meditation breaks, plus having some play in my day, plus doing exercise. I just feel really sharp on point all the time. And what we're doing externally now is we're taking all of that research and data and putting it into a well-being score and then showing an ROI by saying, you've moved your well-being score from, you know, level X to level Y, and that's going to have, you know, Z effects uh, over time. And it's and, and the additional thing that happens there can't just be a silver bullet solution. For example, you can't just say, you just need to do exercise. Everybody in the company does exercise, but the exercise that's good for you might not be good for me because my body type is very different. So A, it needs to be personalized and B, it needs to be a holistic solution because if you over-exercise, you know, that's not great for you either. And then other things shape you as well. You, the way you look at the world, your mental perspective, you might be happy at any point and every, every interaction is then a happy interaction or you might be miserable and every interaction is miserable. Or you might be in a, in a building that has sick building syndrome. And so it's a holistic solution that uh, we're starting to put in place. And that's going to be our new uh, offering called Dark Infinity that, that we're starting to be that soon. I wanted to address how the nature of the workplace has fundamentally changed, particularly you know, due to COVID. How did Garden pivot? And where do you see current demand from your services, even you know, with people working from home? going to be interesting to see how the workplace will change over the next five to ten years uh, post-pandemic. Uh, but what we're hearing is that some companies want to stay fully remote, some want to adopt a hub-and-spoke model, and some just want to go back into the office five days a week. And they're roughly split equally right now based on survey results that we've seen. And so we've gotten smart about doubling down on innovation and figuring out what solutions to provide in each one of these instances. And so if it's fully remote, we've got work from home offerings like Snack from Home and uh, Garden Infinity will be a fully virtual offering as well. If it's the other two, the, the hybrid plus full office version, then it's a combination of the work from home and the traditional products that we have like Garden Kitchen, Garden Chef, Garden Market, 
we've been able to really redesign ourselves during the pandemic and uh, and offer something for everyone. I think that's what most businesses have needed to do is, you know, pivot and, and find their sweet spot in this kind of new environment. As an individual, you are also a member of Founders Pledge. Can you tell us about Founders Pledge and also what motivated you to make that commitment? I wanted to represent well-being in all aspects. And to me, that falls squarely in the environmental well-being piece. And so volunteering and pledging and donating philanthropic interests are definitely very well part of my ethos as a result. And so Founders Pledge seemed like a great, easy way to uh, create a donor advised fund and then upon an exit to use those funds and move them into uh, non-governmental organizations, nonprofits that I care about. And whether it's across the education elements to, you know, actually teaching things like meditation, I'd be excited to, you know, continuously support that way. So tell us about the relationship between financial performance and impact, both how you treat your employees and kind of how you operate the company. You know, you're clearly going to be balancing those things, but, you know, does one of them come first or, you know, what mechanisms do you use sort of as a management team to stay on top of that? Modern companies need to take that into account in all aspects. So for us, Revenue and mission fulfillment go hand in hand. And that to me is an amazing feature of uh, being a mission-driven company. So our mission is to empower people to live healthy and blissful lives. And I know every time we get into an office and uh, install, let's say, garden market uh, smart fridge, we know we're taking care of the health and well-being of everybody that's going to consume from there. And that's just an amazing feeling as a CEO to know that I'm having that level of impact. The person enjoying the service might not know that they are you know, consuming something better because it just tastes good to them. But I know that we have an impact as a company and that's just really meaningful to, to me and, and everybody else. And so my belief is that in the future, every company will think that way. There's not going to be a difference between you know, the mission that the company has and the business model that they espouse. And so there's lots of research around you know, whether it's an organization like Hero or a book called The People Factor or uh, Oliver Wyman talking about when employers invest in the well-being and the health of employees, financial results are a natural course of action. And I think uh, Hero said that uh, stock market performance is something like 20% better for companies that invest in employee well-being. So there's actual financial results that happen out of this type of investment. One of the things that I find, my company is a certified B Corp and you know we have our purpose and, and we're looking to make a positive impact in the world as well. At the same time, we have competitors and we want to win and we have our goals and we don't always achieve our goals. And you know, one of the most important aspects of employee wellness is just like sending them home with some energy to be with their families and you know they can't work until midnight every night and and be a good parent or a good spouse or contribute to their communities. Is that something you just kind of laissez-faire, leave it to be? Or do you do you like actively tell people like, hey, because you're a high-performing guy, you've accomplished a ton. I find that to be one of the hardest things for me as a leader to, to just constantly catch myself thinking like, I really want my people to work more. I really don't want them to work more. I really want them to work more. I really don't want them to work more. <laughs> Do you have that same challenge? And if you do, I mean, do you have any tricks that I can take home with me today? 
<laughs> I'm laughing because I've had this struggle many times and it's often me telling people get more rest <laughs> than the other aspect because I can see performance degrade very quickly. The level, so the way I look at it is the level of sharpness and decision making that you bring with you when you've had, you know, eight hours of sleep or whatever you need to be energized, you know, meditated, had your exercise. It's just fundamentally different, like the level of conversation and the speed at which you can make decisions, good decisions, it's just very different. And so I'd rather have people, you know, I meditate two to three hours a day, for example, I'd rather have people do that, plus get the rest, and then make the right decisions, then need to undo the negative consequences of those decisions later. And so it's usually me telling like, hey, get, get more rest and you know, enjoy your vacation, take vacation. Because I know you're going to be just much, much sharper in the moment. And so as far as practical tips, uh, really making, uh, from the research that I've seen, it's uh, three things matter in terms of building that habit. One is creating a culture at the organization. And so that's why we implemented the purposeful pause policy. So that's something, for example, I can uh, easily give you and you can see if that makes sense for your organization. Um, so that's one way of doing the culture, but it requires leadership buying. If you are the only one that does that and every one of your leaders around you just say like, oh, I'm going to work till 2 a.m. in the morning every day, it's not a culture of well-being at that point. So it really requires leadership buy-in. Two is individual coaches. And that's something that we're going to provide through the Garden Infinity platform over time. And then three, uh, having a group or an accountability group where others say, I want to develop this new habit. I want to spend more time with my family or could be as simple as I don't want to be on, on the phone when I'm having dinner with my family. Okay, great. Let's build that habit. Let's create a group and a pod around you and you know track progress over six weeks and then exchange tips. So those are the three things that, that have really uh, worked based on the research. Okay. So purposeful pause is like a thing. You didn't make that up or did you? Well, we, we made up the policy. The, the idea behind it is as ancient as human life. I mean, just to have rest during the day or to meditate, it's been around. Okay. No, okay. Good things have been around. Yeah. Okay. I love that concept. And I think, I, I think that Ed, as you pointed out, you know, it, it's not just your, your kids and your, your relationship, which obviously are paramount, but it's also giving back to the community or being able to be there at the, your kid's school to do something to make the environment better. And I, I think that the concept of allowing for this workplace wellness, which we've heard about on the show before, is extremely, is extremely powerful and, and somewhat missing from our American culture. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean, certainly startup culture. Yeah, for what it's worth, I mean, the I remember taking a course at Esalen on conscious capitalism. There's like a three-day <laughs> seminar. And I remember um, the teacher talking about the universe and paradoxes and how, you know, these paradoxes like, you know, work hard, but take care of yourself or sort of like, you know, that's one or, you know, or like long-term, short-term. These are, these are the types of conflicts that exist in our daily life and in business and, and at home that um, when it comes to like matters of paradox or things that can't be resolved through rational solutions, you really have to just kind of resolve on your rely on your heart to kind of tell you what to do. And that's when your heart would tell you like, Hey, this person needs to take a break. It looked like they need to take a break. And that's how I've sort of th thought about it. And whenever we have that conflict at my company, I, I always tell people like, Hey, we didn't invent the universe. 
We didn't invent the fact that paradoxes exist. We are here dealing with it. So let's just figure out this paradox and find the best solution, not worry too much that there's no solution for it. Well, what's funny is that it then also becomes a paradox the other way because one of our best performing salespeople, he spends uh, two hours a day exercising. He takes off uh, pretty much uh, one day a week to do passion projects like writing or gratitude. And then he takes at least a week off every quarter to go on vacation. And so somebody from the outside looking in, it's like, hey, what are you doing? Um, but he, by far, by a wide margin, outperforms every other salesperson in the organization. Um, and that's because he's authentic. He believes in the practices. He tells the story about himself. He's very open and has a deep passion for what we're doing. I would like to remind everybody, um, especially all three of us with German roots, that this is very much so how the Europeans work. <laughs> And so <laughs> taking everything full circle here and making it a little bit more personal, Michael, I'd love to dive into the rapid fire questions. Starting off, what book is on your nightstand right now? It's called uh, Conscious Loving. I just picked it up and uh, started uh, reading the first few pages. Incredible. You know, I've heard of conscious living, conscious investing, conscious leadership. I have not heard of conscious loving. <laughs> what will they think of next? okay so what is your go-to beverage in the morning coffee tea or caffeine free it's uh it's a caffeine free tea and it's uh made out of uh ayurvedic herbs and it gives me a nice uh boost in the morning it has like ashwagandha and turmeric and a bunch of things in it i'm impressed that you drink that i'm inspired too name something that's giving you hope right now Uh, vaccines the vaccine rollout. Yeah, any weird yeah. beverage. Eva's always going to be really drawn to that, <laughs> especially if it involves mushrooms or fermentation. <laughs> I'll have to share the, uh, the formula. I'm that sorry, Eva. Been a- I'm obsessed no, it's with okay. your weird beverages. It's okay. It's been a theme on the show. I think it's it's a good thread that we have going. What is one trend you are watching in your industry? Just what uh, machine learning and AI is going to be doing to uh, physical operations. Do you have a favorite resource for staying up to date on current events for your industry? It's uh, it's a combination. It's uh, social media to uh, email newsletters to just industry experts I, I keep in touch with. Now, I think I heard you say that you meditate for two to three hours a day. That's right. So maybe that that's the answer to this question, but I'm just going to... To, to put it, how do you unwind? What is your favorite or best way to relax and unwind after a, a tough day? Um, that's definitely my go-to every day. But other ways, it goes across the entire mind-body environment spectrum. So whether it means uh, practicing uh, exercise like Shaolin Kung Fu, I'm a big fan of that, to spending time with uh, my siblings and playing, you know, a fun uh, board game like Gloomhaven. So there's different modalities. I've realized about myself, I need to build in fun into my daily activity and the meditation is fun, but also the social pieces is very important to me. Mm -hmm. So it's a number of things. What is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? Make well-being a non-negotiable and uh, learn about uh, well-being practices and be true to them. I too often just basically had uh, double shot espresso multiple times a day uh, when when I was in college and just got away with things like pulling all-nighters many, many times. And it just the quality of life just degraded very quickly. Absolutely. So wrapping up, would love to 
kind of look into the future. We've talked about so many different topics today, workplace, the environment, food, and, you know, getting getting to know your habits as well. What mark do you think you will leave on the world as a leader? I, my desire is to make preventative health a standard modality of healthcare, not the let's, I have a problem, let's fix it mentality. I, I want people to prevent rather than look for solutions like surgery and so on when it's too late already. It's a good place to be, you know, at the workplace because a lot of companies in America at least pay for health insurance. And so, you know, they have an incentive to, to do that. So that's a, that's a big that's a big one. Big job. I hope your tea is good enough for that. You don't have to go back to the espresso. <laughs> it, may take a little, it may take a little longer than 10 years, but <laughs> here's, here's the hoping. Yeah, cool. Well, with that, Michael, thank you so much for speaking to us today. It's been incredible. And I know that our listeners have learned a lot. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Congratulations on what you've built and kind of where you're taking your business and just thinking about preventative medicine. You know, I'm walking away, you know, thinking that I definitely need to up my meditation game. That's my big takeaway. And thanks again for coming on the show. It's really fun having you here. Thank you. Take care, Michael. Once again, it's clear that a business leader with good intentions can create an impressive social, environmental, and ethical impact. There is always a way to put meaning behind the mission of a company, and we can all make a difference. You've taken the first step by listening to the Beyond Capital podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, and if you haven't yet, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, go to beyondcapitalpodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at EA Stevens. And follow me on Instagram at Conscious Investor. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.